did you get into discussing about narcs? Yeah, so I lived with um, a narcissist. Uh, my aunt that I lived with for five years was a narcissist. And while living with her, um, I met a guy online um, via Twitter, um, got to know him. And unfortunately, I found that he was a narcissist after the fact, but um, I dealt with him for four years. And so that's how I kind of started talking about um, overcoming narcissistic abuse and just dealing with them in general. Okay. For me, I guess it was kind of a similar situation. My growing up, my parents were narcissists, but you know, growing up, I didn't realize they were narcissists. I knew they were off, but I didn't know, <laughs> you know, what the terminology may have been or what maybe they were dealing with. And then my first um, boyfriend was a narc, and he that relationship lasted five years, like fully and then off and on kind of for another five years mm -hmm. so just dealing with that and discovering like the signs and putting two 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 together and being like oh okay this is what's going on yeah definitely and I'm sorry that you had to go through that because that's it's tough dealing with um narcissists because they can really damage you you know for the long term like really have a, a negative impact on their victims so it's really sad yeah and your aunt and your situation as well but luckily we were both able to escape that so yes <laughs> that's the upside to that part how in your relationship with the guy did you realize he was a narc and you know get out of that situation yeah, so um, I just realized like throughout the relationship how I felt and I, I didn't feel like I was getting uh, fair treatment. I didn't feel like, you know, he appreciated my time and my energy and my effort that I put towards the relationship. I didn't feel like he cared about my feelings. Um, I felt like he always compared me to his exes and even people in general that could have been his other supply. Mm. And I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere with him. And what was basically like the, the straw for me was um, he basically future faked me, basically saying like we one day would be together, mm -hmm. um, but it never ended up happening. Um, and I found out that he was already with someone and mm. he was just playing me, making it seem like, yeah, we're going to be with each other. But he already had a girlfriend, mm. which was his new supply, which I don't think she was new. I think she was probably there all along. In the background. Yes. And so um, I found out on social media mm -hmm. that he was in a relationship and, you know, he tried calling me and asking to come over. I'm like, uh, no, like that's not. <laughs> so that was what made me just finally just cut it off, go no contact. So I guess for me, like, it's funny you talked about the future part and everything, because for me, like, Kind of similar, similarly, something similar happened where after like we were on for five years, he would like come in and out of my life for like every two years, like, oh, I've changed and oh, this and that. And I think we started dating like in one of those years. And it, we had a talk one day that was just basically like I was tired of it, I was done, whatever. So fast forward like two, years later we were communicating at this like on a I guess friendly kind of basis but it seemed like we were going to get back together or whatever and I found out on social media that he had a girlfriend and you know um when I you know I kind of forced him to say it like you yeah. know what's going on and then when he did you know I was like okay I'm not talking to you again it's you know over and he called and was like, well, I don't know which one of you to pick, or I don't know, you know, which, well, she has this, you have this, I just don't know. And it's like, you, you've already picked the person, yeah, you know, right. so you don't, you know, he's like, well, we can still be friends if you need anything. I always want to be there for you. And it's like, no, you're, I won't be your backup supply. Correct. Right. Yeah, I mean, my narc, he um, was very adamant about, you know, his choice. And I think 
for him, it was more so like, because originally he had a girlfriend and lied and told me that he was single. Mm. But once I found out he was single, I was single. I think because he wanted me to be the side chick. And maybe I don't know, he was going to upgrade me to be the first girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think he was hurt and he wanted to get payback on me for rejecting him. Like in the beginning, although we was dating, but I think he was like, okay, well, if she's not going to be my side chick, then I'm going to get her back. You know, you know how narcissists plot on you. Mm -hmm. And so I think all that time he was future faking me and kind of getting me, leading me up to the, the disappointment and the letdown, you know, which they really enjoy you going through that. But when I saw the post on social media, you know, basically saying he was in a relationship and I'm thinking like, well, he's not with me. So yeah. who is it? You know? And so um, I didn't know he was a narc. I had reached out to him. I'm like, hey, you know, how's everything going? And it's funny because he was like, oh, you must have seen my social media, huh? And I'm like, uh, yeah. And he was like, um, he was like, did I kill your dreams? And I'm like, what do you mean by that? And, and you know, well, I, actually, no, I didn't say, what do you mean by that? I, I was just like, no, you didn't. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but in actuality he did, you mm-hmm. know, and I didn't want to tell him that I didn't want to give him that satisfaction. And so, um, but just go, looking back, I'm like, he was really trying to hurt me. You know, that was his intention. He wanted me to hurt. And I, I did for a while, you know, because I had been looking at the narcissist page and I was comparing myself to the new supply. Cause he never showed me off. He never, you know, introduced me to like his family, certain friends of his, but never like people that was close to him. And so I, I don't know, I felt less than and I felt really hurt. And I just felt like he enjoyed me being hurt. And I, I felt like that wasn't something that I wanted. I, I didn't want to have him around me anymore, because I felt like he was intentionally trying to make me upset. So yeah, I definitely they definitely tried to make you upset. And I know, in my situation, he would always do things where he would say people would say things about me and he stood up for me. But, you know, I've never heard those people say those things. So it's like, you don't even know if those people even said that, that he's right. just like, hey, look at me, you know, protecting you, but he's not doing any of that. And I remember, you know, one time he's like, well, and we were also long distance because we went to different schools. Um, but he was just like, oh, I bought a ring, but uh, a wedding ring. But, you know, since we're having so much, many issues, I took it back and, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And then even when, you know, we did get back together, it was on his, always on his terms. Right. He'd just be like, well, I, I see you've grown. And his was also a lot of spiritual abuse in in mm-hmm. as well because he would be like well I've seen you've grown in the Lord and uh we can be together now and uh we we should be together now but anytime like I did something that he didn't like that's when he'd be like well I think we should you know break up again mm-hmm. and so it would just be that back and forth until I just realized like and it was funny because I was going to school for psychology and so once we get like to that page about like narcissism and stuff, I was like, wait a second, <laughs> like <laughs> he's doing like gaslighting me, doing all of the characteristics of a narc and I yeah. need to, you know, and it's crazy because looking back, like I did like the classic, well, like, oh, okay, I know what's going on with him now. I can help him instead right. of, just, yeah. you know, being like, let me just leave him alone. Yeah. And um, so that, it's just crazy like this being in the moment and I even you know tried to tell him you know you know you're a narc right or you know you're abusive and he would you know come back with well if you're abusive why are you with me mm. like that that's just like this makes you like doubt yourself yeah yeah and what's crazy is like I feel like the a lot of them know that they're narcissists or you know they're toxic they're unhealthy and some of them I even know like they think you deserve it you know the longer that we're with them mm-hmm. the long that longer that we put up with the abuse a lot of us a lot of them feel like they that we deserve the treatment that they're dishing out to us because we stay for so long and we want to change them and we see the we want to see the good in everybody right but yeah I've, I've come to learn that a lot of them actually think that we deserve to be 
treated like that. So it, it's a pretty sick thing. So, yeah. So with your relationship, how long would you say it took you to, I guess, feel better or more comfortable after you got out of it? Um, with my relationship with the male narc, um, I would say it took me about two years. It took me about two years to feel okay and feel normal again and not be like bitter and hateful and angry, you know. Um, now when it comes to my aunt, um, it took, well, I'd say maybe about three years just cause I was still connected to her because she was family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I owed a lot to her just cause um, I grew up in Delaware, mm-hmm. um, but my aunt, she lives in California. She actually still lives there now, but I felt like she helped me in a sense. So I felt almost like guilty, mm-hmm. you know, not talking to her anymore and going no contact. But I had to realize that I wasn't getting anything out of it. And I, I've always felt like less than I felt like I couldn't do anything right. And I felt like I wasn't able to be myself, mm-hmm. you know. And so I'm like thinking to myself, like my normal friends, it's like, I don't feel that way when I'm around them. Like, I, I feel like I'm okay. Like I'm at ease, I'm at peace. But it's like, when I'm with my aunt, I just feel like I have to do all this stuff, but it's like, I don't feel good. It's like, mm-hmm. and I remember even one time she said, well, one time I was upset and I remember she was like, you don't have to feel that way. Don't, don't feel that way. You know? So it's like, she was denying me my right to like feel as a human being, you know? And I just, that's to me, that's emotional abuse. And I'm just like, you know, I I had to think of all that stuff and just, I realized like how controlling she was and Mm -hmm. how jealous she was and how she tried to sabotage my relationships, whether it was friends or even guys that I was dating, you know, that helped me to kind of just, stay away from her. And I didn't even want to change her, you know, because I know the female, in my personal opinion, I think female narcs are worse than male narcs, which, you know, they're equally abusive, equally toxic, equally harmful, but I just feel like the female ones, they're worse, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say like with my parents, I didn't, um, my mom, I grew up with my grandparents, thankfully, uh, the majority of my life. So when I did get start living back with my mom, it was like you were saying, she was just controlling. And this all through my childhood, she would do stuff where, you know, she would say like, oh, your grandma let you do these things, but she wouldn't let me do these things. And so when I was able to do those things, she would like sabotage them. Um, it was one instance where I was on the track team and she was like, oh, I never got a chance to be on the track team. And I went to track practice that morning. One of my guy friends on the track team took me. She knew this. And then later on that night, I went to the movies with a friend that was a girl. And she somehow called my grandma asking where I was. My grandma said I was at the movies. She assumed it was with him. Ironically, this was the guy she wanted me to date. So I don't know why that would have been a problem. But basically, she like harassed him. And it was crazy because everyone was at the same movie. <laughs> it was <laughs> so I was actually in the yeah. same movie theater as him. But mm-hmm. she basically called him, was like, bring Takesha back home. I'm going to call the police saying that, you know, she kidnapped you, kidnapped her. Like, all this crazy stuff and then the next morning the next like week at school you know of course everyone knew about it and then she apparently had talked to a track coach about it and the track coach was just like well I didn't know she had talked to the track coach so when we had our next meetup the track coach was like well I don't like when parents you know come and talk to me about stuff that don't have anything to do with track and looking at me and I'm just like embarrassed so I quit the track team and it's you know, so she just did a lot of stuff like that where she would do stuff purposely, like you said, to sabotage me or control me. And once I got like 18 and went to school, like I like no contact her. The only reason I I talk to her now and it's I just started talking to her last year after five years of no contact. She mm-hmm. she didn't even come to my wedding because I 
just was no contact with her oh. altogether. Um, cause she would have taken, she, it would have been her wedding. Right. And so yeah. I was like, no, I can't have it. The only reason I've talked to her now is cause the pandemic happened and I just want to, you know, make sure she was okay, but I still, you know, hold her at a, just a far place. Like you, right. you know, we have to have these boundaries. Like she doesn't even know where I live. Like I go see her, right. <laughs> but yeah. she does not know where I live. And it's like, it's, it's sad you have to be that way, but you have to, you know, put boundaries on them. You have to, because if you don't, then, you know, you're putting your mental health, you know, psychological health, emotional health at risk. You know, I mean, they do, they don't care. You know, it's all about them. They're, they're very selfish, you know, and yeah, it's, it's sick, you know, but that, that's unfortunate. That's how it has to be. I definitely know with like the guy narc, it ended up being where his emotional and abusive, the psychological everything, I end up, I have lupus now and I feel like, which I don't want to give him too much credit because he already does, but that's the stress of like dealing with all of that. I really feel like elevated that to a point where it became active and you know even when like he found out I had lupus like I told him or whatever he was like well you probably have it because you you did something to someone that's a high regard to God he was like I'm not saying it was me but you you did something so it's your fault that you got it because you did something that you know, you did something to one of God's chosen people. Like he said like that. And that's just like, how, that's just crazy. Yeah. And so it's just crazy. I definitely don't have any, I don't know. That's just a crazy situation where he, even to this day, like he will say, huh? Oh, no, I think the internet connection, when I was going to ask the lupus, is is that curable? How how do you manage that? Uh, It's not curable, but I just manage it with my medication and just not being, you know, stressed as like possible. And it's definitely better than where it was because when I got it, I had to go like into the ER and almost, uh, almost died. And it's just a a crazy situation oh no well I'm happy that you're managing it that's great yes thank you I I just feel like he he definitely did play a big part in that and even I don't know it was just a lot of back and forth during that time and for me it was like after all of it it did take me a long time because overall it had been like 10 years really interacting with him so I would say it probably took me like four or five years to actually be like okay with myself again Mm. yeah and sometimes it it can take that long you know I always tell people like don't rush your healing process because everybody heals at their own pace you know it's no rush you know so yeah so what were some of like your coping skills during the time after um, breaking up or dealing with him? Yeah, I mean, a lot. Like, I really um, went out of my way to kind of find out what happened to me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I did a lot of research, um, searching um, what narcissist was. Um, I really uh, leaned on the people that I trusted and the people that I knew cared about me the most. You know, I spent a lot of time with them. I would even share with them what happened and you know they were very supportive very loving I, I thank God every day for the people that were my friend well still today are my friends I, I would say just a handful because some people you know you got to be careful yeah. Um, yeah. but the other thing was um, I really started to focus on myself I had to really get centered in the now you know although all of that abuse did occur but I had to focus on what was most important to me in I had to get centered. And so I started to focus on things that I used to be interested in Mm. before I met the narc, 
mm-hmm. you know, like goals and dreams and hobbies that interest me, like music or, you know, um, what was it like yoga? I started to dive deep into yoga, meditating. And um, that really, I think, was what helped me kind of save my life, really, because I, I was able to kind of get out and move my body. And I didn't have to think too much about the narcissist and what he was doing. You know, I wasn't as obsessed, you know. Um, I started to read a lot of books about self-love and self-esteem and self-value, knowing my worth and knowing my value, you know, for my next relationship and kind of building my my confidence and my sense of self back up, right? And then I started to educate myself about PTSD and childhood mm-hmm. traumas and talking to my parents, like forgiving them, forgiving myself. Yeah, I forgave the narc, but of course I would never go back, right? Yeah. And then um, I had to grieve. I had to cry a lot. I had to let it out. You know, um, a lot of us, not all, but some of us, I think we can kind of be scared to go to that th- that um, that point in our life where we just deal with ourselves. We sit with, with how we're feeling. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I had to go through it because I felt like if I didn't, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. And mm-hmm. I would still be holding on to all that baggage, mm-hmm. you know? not allowing myself to be happy and not allowing myself to move on. And I felt like I deserved that, you know, Um, and, you know, just giving myself time to just to grieve. And, you know, I didn't try to move on so quick. I I was able to spend some time by myself. Although, yeah, from time to time, I I did go out on a few dates, but I knew like that wasn't going anywhere Mm -hmm. because I wasn't healed, you know, but yeah, that's pretty. Oh, and then learning about the the cognitive dissonance and mm-hmm. um, just things that we struggle with codependencies and, mm-hmm. you know, addictions and abandonment issues, yeah. fearing of being yeah. alone, um, fear of being by myself and, you know, fear of not being able to take care of myself, always looking for outside approval, being addicted to love and comparing myself to people all the time. I, I really had to just deal with joy. Like that mm-hmm. was really kind of would help me cope. But the other thing too, was I, I did reach out for support. So it was kind of like a little professional help. The mm-hmm. only thing that I wish I would have did was I wish I would have talked to someone that dealt with narcissistic abuse mm-hmm. because the person that I did talk to, she was kind of, I think she was like a, a counselor in training. So like mm-hmm. we talked for a year, which was cool. I was able to kind of vent. I was able to get my feelings out, but she didn't really experience it. So I felt like she didn't really understand me. So like when we were talking, I felt like she was just staring at me like, oh, like this helpless person. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? She went through all this abuse. Like she sympathized and empathized with me, but it's like, she didn't go through it. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. so that's the only thing I wish I would have did, like reached out to someone specifically that dealt with narcissistic abuse. Cause I felt like I could have healed maybe quicker. And maybe I felt like I wouldn't have reached out to the narc. I would have been thinking like, okay, you don't reach out to a person that's hurt you because they're a source of pain, not a source of your happiness. And I think that's a lot of us, we, it's hard for us to understand that because we're so used to the narc being our source of happiness, but we got to remember they're the source of our pain. And I felt like when I was thinking about the narc, I was I think I was hurting so much because I was like, well, they were my happiness, mm-hmm. but I, I had to shift my mind. I had to change my mind about that. So that was definitely some, some of the coping skills that I had to kind of work on after dealing with all the, the abuse. So I think it's really great. Like you said, that you had to just focus on allowing yourself to cry and allowing yourself to like go through the pain. Cause like you said, a, a, for, I feel like a lot of us just, so we go through trauma and we're just like okay it happened and I'm gonna move on and that's it and we never like fully process it and actually sit in it so I think that's really good and that's like what what you have to do even if it's not in that moment even if it's like years later you have to like understand this happened to me cry about it yell about it scream about it do whatever to like understand like this happened and it's okay to express sadness or anger or whatever about it not just you know be like this happened and I just have to you know push it aside or not do anything about it I think um I think for me like it was it was just very traumatic because for me I I thought you know ultimately I was going to marry this person I thought you know he was going to be like my you know husband and I guess for me 
the this crazy part about it was that he I don't know even in the beginning just said or seemed like he was my soulmate you know that we were you know connected we were just soulmates I was just saying like he you know even from the beginning just said that like we were soulmates and we I guess got together so young that it just made sense you know at the time um but it was definitely a struggle to heal from from him it was like very depressing times very honestly sometimes suicidal times um because like you said the codependence part like I was like what what am I without you know him and so it was just very hard to figure out like what I even liked again because you know I really I did photography at the time too and he would be so judgmental like my photography and that you know I would go to school and my peers be like oh I like it. it was this this he'd be like oh that's too whatever or that's too and it's like what you know looking back it's like nothing was wrong with it you yeah. just didn't want me to be happy you didn't want me to be happy right. you know yeah. it didn't have anything to do with you and so and also for me I just had to learn who God was again because he I I would say both of us he kind of took on the narc kind of took on my Jesus role per se like I would you know I guess find my relationship to God through him instead of Jesus and so I just had to focus on like who God was to me and Jesus was to me and who who I was as a person and so it it was just definitely a struggle and definitely you know took a, a very long time but I definitely agree with you where if there was people at the time that professionally could talk because I went to like therapy and we talked about like abandonment and stuff but we didn't really talk about narcissistic issues and so like you were saying if it was were people where they would actually understand or have been through the situation it would have felt more like okay they really understand how you know you can't just be like well just forget about them or <laughs> just yeah. like you know it's like no you know because it's it's just a back and forth for uh, so yeah. long so I definitely yeah. wish it was people back then that could have helped in that aspect yeah and I love how like and I forgot to mention God of course was you know I mean I grew up in the church, like car seat baby, you know, um, and I didn't really understand God. Like um, when I was literally going to church, like every like week, but I felt like when I had the narcissistic relationships, I felt like God was kind of pushing me towards him. Cause I felt like, yeah, I was alone, but not like really alone because I had God with me, you know, mm -hmm. and I felt from the day that I went no contact, I was like, I'm going to be okay. Like I, like something just came over me. I was like, I'm, I'm going to be fine. Like, you know, and I actually went through an experience where, um, when I was no contact with my, well, actually, no, I, I wasn't no contact with my aunt, but I was understanding that something was, something was wrong. Mm -hmm. I was still in contact with the narc. And there was a period of time in my life where, um, I was living in my car. I was living in my car for about a month. Um, my friends, the friends that I knew were really my friend, they knew what was going on. And, and the good thing was I did have a place that was ready. Mm -hmm. that I, I was going to be moving in. I think it was like maybe a week or two. Um, but I had to stay in my car because I didn't want to go back living with my aunt because I, I knew it was something was wrong. And I also had other friends that I had went to school with and they was like, yeah, Joy, like you don't want to go back living with your aunt because they had actually witnessed her and mm -hmm. saw like how mean she was and, you know, just not welcoming at all. Very unpleasant, but looks so good and always talking about all this stuff that she has and it's all about yeah. her. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it was a scary thing staying in my car and I, I played it so well. <laughs> I did. Nobody knew <laughs> um, I mean, if you were to look at me and cause I would be in Starbucks all the time and I, I'd be doing online work and mm -hmm. I had my way of getting food and stuff, which I feel so grateful, but I will tell you this, there was one night 
um, I was in my car and I remember I cried like a baby. <laughs> like I was bawling, crying. And I'm like, God, like I want to, I want my place. I, I need my place. I don't want to be in this car anymore. And the other reason why I was in the car was because um, the girl that I was staying with her and I, we kind of got into it because she was controlling. Mm. She didn't want me to move out on my own. She wanted me mm-hmm. to stay with her. I was sleeping on the couch, by the way. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, um, you girl, you can stay here. Like, don't worry about it. You don't need to get your own place and this and this and that. And prior to that, I had given my aunt back her key because she was trying to um, get me to go back and live with her. She was like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to give me the key? She was trying to do the whole guilt and fear yeah. tactic. It didn't work. So I said, like, you can have your key, you know, and that was that. But um, the next day, though, after I finished balling out, um, there was this lady that had um, came up to me and this was before, cause what I would usually do is I would go and wash up in Starbucks, get cleaned up and then, you know, do my routine. And then by that later on that night, I would clean up and then go and stay in my car. Mm-hmm. And so this lady walks up to me and she's like, um, are you homeless? And I was like, no. And she was like, are you sure? And I was like, actually, yeah. But I told her, I was like, well, I have my place that I'm going to be moving into very soon. Um, so I was like, it's in the works. And she was like, okay, as long as, as long as you have that going. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, you know, um, I understand I've I've been in a similar predicament because she was saying she wanted her own place. And then the environment that she was in, it, it wasn't, she didn't like it. And she just felt like she was ready, but she felt like she had to go through a test. Maybe God was testing her Mm -hmm. to see like, are you going to be able to overcome this? And I felt like that's what I went through. But it's funny because um, she was like, oh, well, did you need anything like, you know, any money or anything like that? I'm like, well, if you have it, I mean, I'm open to it, you know. And so she gave me um, $40 and $1 bills. So $40. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, thank you so much. And she was just like, here, take it. Like, don't worry about paying me back. Just, you know, do what you got to do. And she was like, give me your number. She was like, once you move into your house or your apartment, like, let me know. So I know that you're mm-hmm. safe. And I was like, okay. But it was funny because from that moment forward, I was like, there has to be a God out there, you know, that wants me to be successful and that wants me to be safe. Because Mm -hmm. in that moment, I felt so safe. I was so fearful. I was like, why am I doing this to myself? But I felt like I had to go through that because I feel like that was the test for Mm -hmm. me, you know, and I'm just grateful that I found myself and I found God in that sense. And the relationship that I have with God now is just, he's like my best friend. He's everything. I talk to him every morning, every night. I'm, I'm always speaking affirmations of things that I want to manifest in my life. And it's, it's not always, you know, it comes so quick. Like again, God's got to test you to see if, you know, he can put his trust in you, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, that's just another way. I feel like I, if I didn't have the narcissism in my life, I feel like I probably wouldn't be so close to God. So it, it's kind of like, it was a gift and a curse. So <laughs> I definitely yeah. get that. I definitely understand that because it, I don't know, it, it's kind of, like you said, it's kind of weird because it's like, I don't want to give credit to them, but at right. the same time, it's the trauma and everything that we went through that pushed us to where we needed to be with God. Um, I know, it's, especially for like, me when I did talk to the narc like after like the situation like years later um it was you know he he just was like oh this is you know amazing like I can hear you know you're closer to God and I'm like yes not to you so today but it was pretty crazy with my narc like it was after I found out he had a girlfriend, it was like no contact for six years um, mm-hmm. because I was like, I don't have anything to do with you at all. And I was moving back to our hometown, to Memphis. And I think he had moved back. And when I told him I was moving back, he was just like, no, you can't move back. Like you can't, you know, move back. Cause if I see you, then I'm going to choose you all this crazy stuff but six years went by and I had no contact at all no nothing and randomly one day on Facebook he he contacted me and um he just was like hey 
how are you? And I didn't, I saw it and I was like, what, what in the world is going on? And uh, I had looked on his Facebook and I think he still had like his pictures with his girlfriend, um, but I didn't respond to his message. And then I think like a month later, he was like, I was just trying to see if you're alive. And I looked on his Facebook and all remnants of his girlfriend were like gone. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it was just like, he was like, well, and then unfortunately Facebook s- s- told him that I saw the message. Oh. So he was like, oh, I see you're alive. That's all I wanted. <laughs> or, yeah. and it was just crazy. Cause like, you know, six years, I haven't talked to you and then you, you know, break up with this girl or whatever happens. And then you contact me and it's just like, one, are you alive? Why, you know, why would I not be alive? Because I haven't talked to you. Right. And, then, you know, too, obviously you're reaching out because your supply is gone. So you're like, let me go back to my first supply and see see what's going on there. See, see what's going on. So it was just a crazy crazy situation and he he reached out a couple more times and you know I was just like well I forgive you for you know everything you did and he was like what what are you talking about (laughs) he was like what are you talking about and I just was like anyway (laughs) they really they're gaslighters and they they don't accept any accountability, no responsibility for anything that they do. It's all our fault. And that's just something that I, I don't accept that in my life at all. That's that's a red flag. And if there's anybody in my life that I know or someone may ask me about somebody that's in our, I'll, I'll tell them the truth. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I, I think I've learned, you know, to be more assertive now, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, I just, I don't have time for that, you know? Yeah, I definitely say with, with um, my family members, like my mom and dad, I don't, you know, I'm more assertive with them and more like, I'm not doing this or this is my boundaries or even other people. Um, I had a situation where someone, uh, I got married and so they were, they were going to come to my wedding, but some stuff happened where they just changed their mind and they, you know, had it, I'm trying to say it. So if they hear this, they're not like, it's me. Uh, (laughs) um, But they changed their mind and they, you know, were adamant about telling me they changed their mind thinking I would be like, oh, I'd be sad or like, oh, I was just like, okay, if that's, you know, what you want to do, that's, you know, fine. And that, you know, of course that made them even more angry, but it's you know, I'm going to be indifferent. I'm going to be going to not engage because this is clear. This is what you want me to do. So I'm going to not do that because it's not, it's not, I'm not going to be, you know, feature, feed you. I'm not going to be your supply. So, you know, I've just learned to, you know, take up more for myself and be, you know, indifferent or do, you know, what I have to do. And even like, when I did break it off with the the narc the last time, like uh, right before we broke up, I mean, when he had the when he had the girlfriend, that was a whole different thing. But right before that, like two years later, I mean, earlier we were dating, and I broke up with him. You know, I just I was so adamant and so like hardcore in that situation, and then like I don't know, something happens where like you'd be like, is it like, it wasn't my fault. What did I do? And it's like, I'm the one that broke up with him, but you want to be back with them. And so that's, you know, I think how we end up talking again. And then he had a girlfriend and stuff, but I just, I remember in that part of that time, I kept going back and forth. Like, why were you so mean to him? And I think we, you know, always do that. Like, why are we mean to them? And we can't see like they're abusive. (laughs) exactly so we're not being mean we're standing up for ourselves yeah we got to (laughs) because if we don't no one else will yeah I definitely remember with my narc even though we were going to you know and that's the thing people might not understand either like even though you're not even in the same location as them they unfortunately have so much power and it's just 
you know, he would not want me to have certain friends or not want me to go different places. And at the time, like, it didn't make sense. And I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm getting rid of these friends. I would sometimes not hang out with them as much, but I wouldn't just like throw all of them away. It was just a crazy situation overall. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely crazy. So... <clears throat> so what do you do now are do you are you able to coach people or yeah um I do coach you know the victims and the survivors of narcissistic abuse um I also you know coach people that just need mental emotional support as well when it comes to relationships and dating just because I have a lot of experience in that as well like mm-hmm. post-narc or even before narc um but yeah, I, I do coach and um, I do have courses that um, talk about, you know, dealing with narcissists, how to overcome narc abuse and um, healing and recovering and how to avoid narcissistic relationships in the future. So That's good. I feel like it's always good that we can use what we went through to help help other people and help them understand where they are and just help them get back on track with themselves. So I guess this is a question like I ask everyone, do you feel like a narc, a narcissistic person can change, can actually change? <laughs> <laughs> um, I get that question a lot. Um, from my experience now, other people may have different experiences, but from what I've seen, no. Um, there are small like small 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 cases where the narc may potentially change um in case that there's like a midlife crisis Mm -hmm. or something like really bad happens to them it's like a health issue or something like that maybe but then they may revert back to their old back on top yeah so but I would say no um but I do feel like you know a lot of us victims and survivors, we do hold out on hope because some of us, we really did love them. You know, I thought that I loved my narc that I dealt with, you know, but I I felt like I, I loved a lie. I loved their false self, you know, and that, that was hurtful to me. And, um, I thought that, you know, when he did reach back out to me or tried to hoover me that he was like, changed or that he realized the error in his ways you know or that he wanted to quote unquote be with me but he in actuality that wasn't his intentions anyway um but once I realized that the narcissists could not change or they didn't want to change because some of them don't think that there's anything wrong with them mm-hmm. you know that's when I, I was able to be like okay like I'm good. <laughs> like, I don't need to be dealing with this kind of person. I, I deserve better, you know? Yeah. So. I definitely agree. I definitely agree that in my opinion as well, that they cannot change. Right. <laughs> I just agree. Like if it's like something that is severe enough, they will change for that moment. But once they're back, you know, successful or on top, or have another supply, then they'll be right back to their ways. And so I feel like, I feel like that's kind of like the love bombing stage kind of with them where they would see like, oh, okay, I have to do something to grab someone or to grab attention and then I can be back on top. So I, I feel like they don't they don't change and they won't change. So I feel like it's very, like, it's very hard. Like, I don't really think they can at all. Yeah. And I would say, especially for those of us that we want to help people, you know, we want to quote unquote fix people. Some of us, we may have addictions to fixing people. I know I did. I struggle with that, you know, or trying to always see the good in people. It's nothing wrong with that, but you have to be mindful because not everybody wants to be good. Some people mm-hmm. want to be evil and that's cool, but don't be evil around me. I'm, I'm not going to allow that in my energy, you know? Yeah. And so um, 
yeah, just happened to just kind of just accept it for what it is, not lying to myself, not, you know, believing in the illusion which narcissists present to us and they want us to believe that. But I, it's just like, you got to be real. You got to be real with yourself. I think you have to be real with yourself. And even like, like you were saying, you have to be real with yourself sometimes where even where other people, I would definitely say they're enablers, don't believe you. I know, unfortunately, like in my situation, I did reach out to like a few of his friends, like when stuff was like, this is what's happening and you all don't see it. And, you know, obviously they would take his side or be like, oh, this is, you know, the way he is, or they wouldn't believe it. And it would just be, you know, like, okay, that's, you know, out of control. Like, okay, fine. So just be real, you know, with yourself. And my situation, it was very odd because even, you know, after the six years and he contacted me and stuff, we... Uh, I was at a music concert with me and my husband and he was there and um, I saw him. I didn't say anything to him. And then he started like (laughs) physically hovering, hoovering around us. Mm. And I still didn't say anything. And then his birthday came up and me being nice, I was just like, happy birthday um since I you know it's all well actually at the concert he finally came up and talked to us instead of circling us because I was not going to say anything and so after that I was like okay I guess we're on good terms and I have a husband so it doesn't you know it's not going to be like weird so I just reached out and was like happy birthday good to see you whatever and his response was not like a thank you it was like oh you you still love me because you you didn't reach out to me at the concert. I had to, you saw me, but I had to come speak to you first. And uh, that was just very heartbreaking. Not heartbreaking, but what did he say? He said, that was just really rude of you. You were rude not to speak to me first when you saw me. And it's just like, I don't, I don't have to speak to you. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, I don't have to speak to you. Or if you come close to me I yes I I still don't have to speak to you you know and that's not being being rude or me being scared I just don't I haven't seen you in like six years so I'm not gonna be like hey this is my husband and me how you how you doing great to see you gonna be like whoa (laughs) yeah it's funny um thank goodness um I moved away um from where my the narc that I used to talk to, he's, I think he's still in LA. Um, mm-hmm. But I noticed um, whenever my birthday would come around, um, mm-hmm. I noticed he never said happy birthday to me. And I mm-hmm. thought that that was so weird. Cause I'm like, if he's like, we're dating, we're quote unquote friends and all that stuff. Wouldn't he say like happy birthday? But on other times, like he would say like happy Thanksgiving or he'll say like happy new year's, but he never said mm-hmm. like happy birthday to me. And I remember I would always say like happy birthday to him. Mm-hmm. But What's funny is recently, um, my birthday was in May Mm -hmm. and um, I have a LinkedIn page and I don't know if you know, but LinkedIn pages, sometimes you can see when people view your profile Mm -hmm. and um, a lot of narcissists will try to hoover you or just try to see like if you would like kind of, you know, reach out to them or just give them just a little bit of supply, right? Mm So he was on, he, I saw that he viewed my profile, my LinkedIn profile. And it was so weird because I haven't heard from him since 2014. I'm like, hmm. how the heck did he find my LinkedIn profile? <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, that is just so creepy. Like they're always watching or they're, they're searching for you, trying to find out what you're doing. Thank goodness. He didn't message me. Thank mm-hmm. goodness. But I, I went on his profile. So he probably saw that I did, but I'm just like, what is he looking at my page for, you know? So I just thought that was interesting, but that was, that was recent, but he probably was thinking that I was going to like say something to him because it was my birthday time. And they know a lot of us were in good moods around mm-hmm. our birthdays or certain like holiday occasions. They would do mm-hmm. stuff like that to try to hoover you. So I'm just happy that I didn't take the bait or I, I wasn't curious. Cause you know, a lot of us were like curious. We were like, Oh, how, how's that person doing? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he was trying to get me to do, but I didn't do it. So. Speaking of that, like, Right when, right when I got married, he had 
I think he had reached out. That's around the time, like three or so months before he had reached out, like, are you alive? And, you know, all that foolishness. And then on my Facebook, you know, I had changed it to engaged. And so he was like, congratulations. I saw this in my dreams and all this stuff or whatever. And so he had reached. So this is the, the like he said, they had reached out to try to get you to reach out or they do stuff. So my, I had a best friend when me and him were dating, but I was no longer talking to her during my married, getting married time. Like we hadn't talked in a while. So she told me this like maybe two years after I got married and we were talking, she was like the time period you were, when you were getting married, the narc had reached out to her on Facebook and he was pretending to reply to a message she had sent him six years ago, like, oh, you're a great friend, thinking that, you know, she would be like, hey, he reached out to me. So I would be like, why are you reaching out to her or something like that? But it backfired because I wasn't talking to her. So I didn't know that he had reached out. And yeah. so like you were saying, they like reach out to just do stuff to be like, Hey, look at me, so they can, right. so you can reach, you know, reach out to them. But I would definitely say, you know, when I came back to our town, it was hard for me to even feel like going out the house. Mm -hmm. I just was so like scared. I would like run into him or see him, or like it would be stuff that we, you know, did like in common. So I'd be like, I can't go to this concert because he would be there or I can't do this because he might be there. And so I feel like definitely come back to what you're saying, just becoming yourself again. I had to get to the point of being like, oh, whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah. if he's there, you know, he's there. Like if I run to him, I'm running to him. Like I don't have to be afraid to live again. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, I, I just think that um, it, it's our birthright to be happy. You know, it's our birthright to um, live our life to our fullest potential. And I just think that the narcissist can be an obstacle, you know, uh, whether it's a parent, friend, ro romantic partner. And that's just something that we got to overcome. And it doesn't happen overnight. But if you if you want better for yourself and you know your worth and your value, I think it'll come in due time. So I just, I would just think person should just be patient and just know what you're dealing with. And I think once you know, then you can know how to handle a person. So, yeah, I think you're exactly right about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. So. But it was nice meeting you and yes, having a conversation with you. Yes, it was awesome. And I appreciate you for sharing. And that, that was awesome. So, and thank you for having me. You as well. Okay, cool. All right. But you have a good day and good you too. night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we'll talk again. Yes, take care. All right. Bye-bye.